Hey, hello. Welcome to the Role Playing Exchange. It's Saturday and our Saturday game fell through. So this is kind of a on the off the cusp kind of episode here. So, you know, as Chris would say, uh, American Chris, you know, we didn't think this through. So we really haven't. I'm just going to put that up as a disclaimer in the beginning. But today I am joined by my good friends, Rob. Canadian Chris, or Crazon as I tend to call him, or, and or David. Chris, as others have called me. <laughs> Chris Dry. Yeah, Chris Dry, yeah. And we're going to talk about, well, really the conversation began with talking about how to end the campaign, but, and, and you know, the troubles that one could have doing that. We have two somewhat ended campaigns uh, to discuss today, and then I'm kind of getting ready to start a campaign. And uh, actually, I think it was three almost completed, at least arcs of a campaign. But yeah, I've got a completed arc, but not a dead campaign yet. Okay, we are. So we're going to kind of rattle on with this here for a bit. So I'm going to tell you all about my week first. Okay, so just to kind of hit the floor running with this. So uh, have you ever had that gaming experience where you your attempt to at running a game was so horrible that you just set down the dice in the book and you're like i'll i'll be a player for a while i'm not gonna fool with this uh like it really devastates your kind of confidence in oneself when running yeah <laughs> yeah i've definitely had that in the past <laughs> oh i think we've all been there, there there's t-shirts would you like the would you like the fuck this game? I'm going into the woods and becoming a druid t-shirt. I, I think we got it in your size. <laughs> I could wear a large or a medium. Actually, could could someone get me like Ted Kaczynski? But it, oh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. On no, the no, we don't got Ted, but we got Soda Pop Kaczynski. So if you were a fan of Mike Tyson's Punch Out, then I mean, we got your back there. Excellent. Which is the Americanized version because we decided, oh wait, vodka is probably bad for kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, was, he was like drinks drink ski or some shit like that. I can't remember what it was originally. Uh but here's my problem. So I ran I, I ran a long time ago, I ran an Eclipse says uh quick starter scenario. It's actually on the podcast if anybody wants to listen to it. Uh please download our stuff. And I was running straight up off the rules in the quick start. I mean, quick start. So it was very simple. Well, I was going to run a little, um, they got like these little micro scenarios. I can't remember what they called them over the post-human people, but I was going to run one. It was like basically uh, extract Guy Fieri kind of thing. And the, I was going to run it off the quick start rules. And that was great. And then two hours before the game began, Post-Human Studios dropped the first draft of the PDF version, a uh, completed, I guess, PDF version of Eclipse Second Ed. So all the players were like, great. And so all these other things that were not in the scope of what I was going to handle in that scenario, all of a sudden jumped in. And when we tried to apply those, I just it turned into more of a uh, homework assignment. Like we were trying to figure out how to do uh, trigonometry or something. and it uh the game at one point i kick out the bot that's recording i was like let's finish this but i don't know what the hell we're doing so i need your help and you know the players were all real understanding and we went through with it but that kind of scarred me so at the based on a conversation with joe at the last gen con that existed uh 
Before the dark times. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Before the dark times, indeed. I picked up a copy of Evil Hats Band of Blades. And it's, I love the Black Company. I love all that uh, dark. Well, I kind of pull back from the completely dark fantasy stuff. Some of that kind of is a little too dark for Oh Adam. But I picked it up. I was like, he ran so many things for RPX. I was like, dude, I'll run that for you. So it's easy for my mouth to write a check. Now, <laughs> my ass has got to cash that. So uh, for the past year, I've been promising Joe, like, like this waiting for Godot thing of like, oh, yeah, we're going to run it uh, soon, soon. And I have been letting that drag on for quite some time. And little happy accidents are hap- happened that I could delay it and delay it until finally I was like, fuck it. I got to do this. So, uh you know, I was apprehensive about jumping into something longer form, definitely since that Eclipse Age experience. And the problem that I'm having with with Band of Blades is it's it's like Blades in the Dark, but it's a little crunchier. Your players are not as uh, robust. Like I said, it's kind of a dark fiction thing. And it's a new system that I have never run. I've I've ran like Monster of the Week, and this is a Powered by the Apocalypse derivative, but Forged in the Dark is not quite the same thing. So uh, I'm just going to give you, tell you all real, real quick what I have done this past week. And I feel like it's, it worked for me. So I, this uh, entire book of Band of Blades is more or less a campaign. So, and like there's a particular storyline that comes with the book. Uh, it will take between eight to 12 sessions to complete. And you're basically taking the remnants of this uh, mercenary crew to the other end of the map to wait out winter and do one heroic last stand against the hordes of the undead. So a lot of moving pieces and all that. So what I have decided to do was last Saturday, I invited most of the players that were going to take part in that campaign I was like, let's run a sample. Like, let's just do a test drive of this. This is, I recorded it for posterity's sake, probably won't release it. But I was like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know how I'm going to apply these mechanics until we get into it. So all my players jumped in and we picked, there's like three uh, intro scenarios to it. And I picked the one that I knew we would not run. I was like, okay, here's your characters. Let's figure this out. So we did like a session zero of sorts where we just statted up our characters. And then I ran the first scenario. And I mean, I put narrative in it as best I could, but I didn't, I was more focused on like running it as opposed to like giving uh, grand descriptions and stuff like that. So I set up the scenario. We tried out the rules uh, they completed it, and I mean, it's it's done wonders for me, I guess you could say, as somebody who's going to run a longer form of this, I feel more confident with um, with myself. I feel like I'm not going to disappoint my players, and it also gave my players an opportunity to uh, step in and uh, learn the rules as well. So, you know. In my brief uh, addition to this uh, recording here, I just wanted to talk about that. Um, it worked out great. We got a set. We're only going to do one follow up session because Band of Blades 
has you play two different roles. There's like a management one, and then there's the stuff that happens in the field and all that. So we're going to try out. Uh, we're going to actually go do it next Sunday, but we're going to run through the management portion of it where you're like the commander and the marshal and the, the quartermaster and a couple other odds and ends. We're going to row, row with my generated mission. We're going to try that out and just see how both aspects of the game works. But it worked out great. Well, that's good. I I love it when it works out good. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it is helping you to get over your I think that it's the falling out of the saddle, that rodeo moment of, uh, well, got bucked off of that bull. Are you going to get back on another one? Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me catch my breath. Also, I commend you on, on diving headlong into Eclipse phase, <laughs> or, or, like from the previous thing. It's like, because, yeah, I, that's a scary system for me. <laughs> like, the only reason why it's not too scary for me is because my previous job, I worked with spreadsheets on the daily and it's like, Oh, spreadsheet. I can do this. The <laughs> fact that you can't, it, it's like, would you like to make a character on paper? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing a tablet specifically for this so that I can keep the, yeah, I'll, I will print him out, but uh, yeah, no, you, you do not make a character on paper for that. And if it's a game where you cannot make your character on paper, it can be intimidating. Mm -hmm. So just acknowledge that and move on. Just it's like, yeah, no, this is this is a big honking system, and it's a good system. It's a great system, but it's also, yeah, involved. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's very crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> no. Everything should be powered by Apocalypse or Simpler. I'm sorry, I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> I mean, that's an opinion. <laughs> A correct one, but carry on. Yeah. <laughs> now, there are there are good games out there with really big systems, and there are people who have been doing... Um, shoot, I got my start... Yeah, let me get my reminiscent, Heath. Um, I got my start back in the days of Gygax, where you almost needed a slide rule where the only reason why you played the games was because they were the only thing nerdier than you. <laughs> and now these kids today have their entirely role-play-driven systems. It's, it's madness, I say. No. It, and I understand it. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. It's a great change. It makes it more accessible to everybody. But there are some folks out there who do still love the crunchy, crunchy numbers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like... So like I I'm actually kind of stuck in the middle um, of everything here because I love I love Power of the Apocalypse I love rules light systems because I like to tell I I have I have stories I want to tell and like things like that um so like Gumshoe and Power by the Apocalypse and heck Wushu and Cthulhu Dark <laughs> like those are all fun systems and, and like I play those with you guys um on Saturdays and like online and stuff like that however i still have a like i i got my 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 first kind of like experiences on first star wars saga edition and then pat and then d d uh, d, &D 3.5 pathfinder um my, my my live crew that like we're all friends we all like we're all basically best friends that like get together every friday and run games uh we all started playing like D, &D and then 
when I first discovered RPPR, I discovered the glory that is Cthulhu <laughs> and Call of Cthulhu. Um, but my my group of players, they don't want to play anything. They at the time anyway, they didn't want to play anything other than D twenty. So I found Cthulhu D twenty, and it worked because I found my niche as a GM with that, uh, with my my live crew before I went online and started playing with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have this, I have this fun, I have this like not love hate relationship. It's just I have a fun, uh, I have a off again on again relationship with like a, my my nostalgia fondness for like crunchier d20 systems and then like i i've apparently moved from d20 to to another crunchy system with Shadowrun because i love the setting and it's at least the themes in some of the some of the themes in Shadowrun's setting so much and some of the lore and stuff that's in it that i am willing to dive headlong into the crunchiest system i've ever dealt with since d20 and even when the systems try to make it easy for you, there are still people who are still going to find a way to piss uphill. Yeah. I have a, like a dynamic currently working where like Saturday mornings I play with you guys and we're generally playing like pretty rules light systems or like, like monster of the week and like some gumshoe systems. But then like Friday night I'm playing either a mass effect D 20 system, which is made for tactically inclined people. And my players like tactically inclined stuff. They like doing crunchier things. They like to uh, have like those kind of rules to ground them. Um, we've played Monster of the Week. They enjoy Monster of the Week, but they prefer cr- something with more like hardline rules. And it's just something I've come to come to like accept uh, about like life and reality is that there are different strokes for different folks. <laughs> and that yeah. strikes true for D and like an RPG games and stuff of like that, and I find that I'm kind of in the middle where like I'll play, but I'll play both sides, <laughs> and I don't know if that makes me a dirty centrist, but I mean at least it's not politics on that it, end. It makes you thoroughly, it makes you thoroughly flexible, is what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And as a player, um, you hand me any system, and I will fumble my way through it. As a DM, I like systems that I know a little bit better. And I tend to tailor them to fit my own worlds. Um, also tend to tailor them to fit the players. Like, I can tell you that with my Monday game, which sadly is not being recorded because we have a player who is very, very microphone shy. But I wish that it could be recorded because of so many of the lovely moments in there. Um, I've got another player in the group who is... I want to say genre blind, like he doesn't know that if the DM says, are you sure you want to do that, that it could be a bad idea. So I emphasize that it is a very bad idea. Everybody else sees it. And he still goes, no, I think I'm going to go headlong in this. Why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> uh, do you have the wild card? <laughs> uh, yes. And it's it's glorious when you have the right wild card. That's I think that's why Aaron of uh, RPPR fame is so popular because there's the good idea, the bad idea, and then there's the Aaron idea, which you never expect. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason. There's it's called the Aaron Gap. I think is what it is. We're like, or we're, I think Caleb came up with that. I think. The- uh, and God bless. Like I, again, there's no hate toward Aaron on that. Like it's like God bless. Oh no, Aaron. all in love. I mean, yeah. you need. Um, uh, it was coined by one of my other groups because uh, we had a new player and we found out that his role in it was he is the thing toucher. And the guy <laughs> who's running it uh, says, no, every group needs a thing toucher. You need somebody who is going to go, wait, that's the artifact of darkness that we're not supposed to touch. I'm a lick it. 
<laughs> yes. I'm going to read from that book aloud <laughs> while oh everybody God. is in a car. But you're all driving. Oh god. Okay, we we should probably like not reference like go too deep into like reference humor. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's But every group needs a thing toucher and RPPR's mm-hmm. thing toucher is Aaron. And we we all know that and we're very much aware of it. It's like, "All right, so we're going to get to the So this is the artifact of doom. I'm going to distract Aaron." And usually Aaron has a dirty look when you say that. He's like, "Wait, what?" It's like, "No, no, no. You Please, please don't touch the thing yet. <laughs> Let's find out about the thing before you touch it. And he's touching the thing. Damn it. I, th- I think you all helped me find our thread here for this conversation. Because I think it, as a game master, it's you know going to go down to your, player, uh, to your players and, and buy in. And uh, I, know, I know Rob has, uh, we were talking you know off mic about this kind of stuff here. But uh, what... It seems like to me is when I was doing the band of blades, I had I had my players like gave everything to them up front, and they still suck with me on on this. And uh, they allowed to give me the room to learn and grow with this system and something that was. I mean, you know, we're we're it's not longer form that I'm I'm doing right this exact moment. They're not going to get to see the Legion grow and their triumphs and failures and such like that. And they knew it from the very beginning. And, you know, they were gracious enough to give me this moment. And it was very helpful. And, you know, praise on. Let's jump over to yours just because I know what you were kind of talking about beforehand uh, with uh, your Mass Effect campaign that you just recently finished up and your players in general and them surprising you and whatnot but yeah uh, um okay so yeah um yeah i started i i if you if you don't if you haven't heard the, the previous talk on mass effect <laughs> um uh i i started a mass effect d20 campaign um fairly recently uh we we had played mass effect d20 before um in a milky way campaign but it kind of what uh, we it didn't fall through because of it because of um actually it did kind of fall through because of like expectations weren't fully met but it also fell through because we lost like two players like consecutively <laughs> like we we lost a we lost a player so we tried to we tried to carry on and then that car- that player came back but then we lost another player and i was like oh, okay it just got me all fuddled about it <laughs> So we kind of ended up dropping it for, and like I kind of got hit burnout um, from the initial like first wave of campaign, and I kind of even lost a little bit of. Con- I, now I think about it, I did kind of lose a little bit of confidence on that campaign because I I had had an idea, but I think it was a little too weird or out there for Mass Effect, and I hadn't like toned it down to match a Mass Effect vibe, which is what I wanted originally. So then, flash fast forward like probably about two or three years. We have played a couple of campaigns since then. A few of them are com- were completed, but ultimately, like I've I, I've run a bunch of games where like I haven't we haven't had a set ending for a campaign, and so I started playing Mass Effect Andromeda and Mass Effect the trilogy, like in 2020, I think twice, <laughs> like through, and it just it reminded me how much I love that series. And I want, and I was like, you know what? And and I know that my friends, like my 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 circle of uh, or my gaming group on Fridays, 
they love Mass Effect just as much as I do. And they were very gung ho. Like we had been talking about, like what what the next campaign was going to be after our um, after our ne- after our, our previous one. And I suggest, well, do you guys want to try and give Mass Effect a try again? And they were like, yes. <laughs> so I got that. And I was like, all right, so if I'm going to do this, I need to try and like figure out how I can do this manageably and not hit burnout. Because that's something I always deal with occasionally with... Uh, wow, I like how I just... Um, that's that's something I deal with where I will I will get really excited for a, for, for a genre, for a system, for a, for a type of story for like a few weeks or even a few months. And then I will then switch to another genre. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of get tired. Or I won't want to run a game if I'm running a game at the time in that genre. I want to run something else. So I need to, I, I've realized this about myself. And so I sit down and tried to figure out, all right, I need to come up with an idea for a campaign that would be, uh, that will be concise. We can come back to it like in a season two, or if we need to, if we, if we want to, if we feel like it, but I need to have a set idea in mind before I even start this thing. And I came up with Chase the MacGuffin. <laughs> so the the Mass Effect game, st- uh, the, our, I basically plotted out a flowchart. Um, Caleb would be proud. <laughs> uh, a flowchart on like events that happened prior to the event, prior to the characters showing up in, uh, or coming onto the scene. And then basically like where that, that trail of breadcrumbs goes across the Helios cluster in the Mass Effect Andromeda universe. Um, and so basically the, the players are, are playing a group that are assigned to hunt down a group of missing staff members. Who, and there's a weird mystery about like why they left and they go across Helios, the, the, the location in space in the game. Um, they go to like at least three or four different planets on their on their hunt for these people, like, gathering more and more information and clues as to like what what they were doing and why they were doing it. And then I'm also throwing in the odd random like encounter or for like red markets folks legs <laughs> that I'm like randomly generating using a di- like using a a chart and just kind of like adding Mass Effect flavor to it. And yeah, it, it 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 panned out very well. Like everybody, like we we've had some uh, some really good dramatic moments. We've had some a lot of very heavy combat moments. Um, we've had some things right at the very end that I was not expecting. Like I was trying to kind of think of like the whole time this is going on. Like this MacGuffin is going on. Um, I'm also trying to like be the the um the the, the characters groups um like ed, like head honchos, like the guys who sent them on this mission, and like they're playing pathfinders. Uh, or second generation pathfinders. So I'm trying to like think of like how the council is going to react to them this entire time. And up until like the very end, it it was pretty rough. <laughs> like I was kind of th- I was kind of thinking like next season two, you guys might be thinking about like dropping out of the pathfinder uh, business <laughs> and just becoming freelancers because like the council's not like the council doesn't quite see you too favorably right now. And then they pulled the world something... on fire and it is definitely your fault. Yeah. And then, and then they pulled something off right at the very end. I was like, well, shit, that kind of puts you guys back in their good graces to a degree. And also like you guys have a couple of like pieces of leverage by the end of the campaign. So not to spoil too much, this campaign I think really worked for me because I had that flow chart. And like I kind of had idea of like uh, in a, a direction for the characters to go, and like they they really seem to enjoy that. Yeah, so I I think I think I, the idea of like 
and and I didn't make it too big. Like I've made, I've done, I've done that similar in the past where I've like, all right, I've got like 10 adventures planned out for my group of, for my players uh, to run like for a, for a Pathfinder adventure where they're traveling on this, this, in this town that like travels between space time. So we're going to like different timelines and different like space, uh, different like places across the, uh, the continuum. Um, and it all leads up to like a, like a thing at the end. And we still haven't finished that game. Like we're still like, we've put it on hiatus at the moment. And I think for, for the Mass Effect game, the key for me was don't have so many adventures plotted, like have maybe four solid adventures and then like an end game. And then everything else in between the players will kind of help tag, help build off of because they yeah, had those four adventures that I had plotted for the mass effect game have turned into a 12 session campaign. So <laughs> sessions do not, or adventures do not equate sessions yeah. <laughs> for my also, group anyway. Yes. <laughs> so, so, and if I can jump in on that, um, what I planned as far as the, the Monday night game, it's, um, it's the famous Monsters in the City campaign. It's like Casablanca, only the humans are the Nazis and every other race conceivable is, you know, just people living in the city trust, just trying to live their lives. Nice. Yeah. And so I, I tend to look at it as far as I am telling a story and I tell the players, even at the very beginning, when we hit certain chapter milestones, that's when you guys are going to level. So... It's entirely based on what do you do, um, what part of the story are you at as far as what level you guys reach. But then I also have, um, I've got this little container of these coins that I got off of Wish. They're these little bitty thin, worthless discs, but to the players, uh, they represent when you do something that is cool, something that is funny, something that is just... Anything that makes the rest of the players at the table smile. And I give everybody opportunities at the very end to pitch for everybody else at the table. And um, every session, they get to vote on MVP, and the person who gets MVP gets an extra one on top. But you can use these for saving your ass when you fail that save, or for getting a really good roll when you really want one. Or if you want to buy something a little bit more tangible, you can use those too. So even if you're not getting the full-on XP, you're still getting David coins. And nice. I've, um, I've learned after running this seven times that no plan is going to survive meeting the enemy, and no game plan is going to survive meeting your players. Because every game I've run of this, every campaign worth, um, there's always been at least one player is going to do something that I was not planning for. And when I plan for that in the next one, I'm seven in and they're still throwing me for loops, which I absolutely love. But what I do as far as the planning stage of it is I've got the different chapter markers. It's like, this is what you have to do to make it to the end of chapter one. This is what you have to do to make it to the end of chapter two. And they're fairly broad definitions of how do you get there. And, um, I have the group right now that is the 100% completionist group. Like they are trying to tick all of the boxes instead of just the five that they need to pass. They want every single box. And um, while that is extremely fun, it's also getting a little bit tedious for a few of the ones that just want to go. But fortunately, um, we've got our thing toucher who likes to uh, do the things that are 
decidedly bad ideas and the rest of the players are just kind of rolling with it. Like, yeah, <laughs> if I ever offer you a dark deal, do not take it. Um, they, they've learned this one pretty quick. Um, I tried to set up the fact that there is the lich who lives underneath the city as a very, very chaotic, evil, but also very powerful entity. You don't want to mess with him. And no matter how I frame him, every group thus far has met the guy and gone, huh, okay, let's win this guy over. <laughs> it's his 14 I, turtle friends. That, that, that's what's ruining it for you. Yeah, I've actually had a similar thing ha- uh, come, come out of this Mass Effect game um, where one of my players, I don't want to spoil it because it's, it's going to be coming out at some point on on our podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> but um like i i had a we had a i had a section of the game or like i had a an idea like a thoroughfare kind of thing where one of the characters really likes a certain group in the game but like sees like wanted to try and like rehabilitate um and in in the game world it's kind of hard to rehabilitate them but by god through gumption and like and and just like circumstance the game the our rp our, our tabletop rpg game um adapted that or adapted to hit to, to the player's wills <laughs> to to make something happen and so yeah like again it's one of the things i like about rpgs like like getting at the table and and, and playing with like friends at, a, at, a, at an rp on an rpg that you can't really get from video games is that like the world is for the most for to a degree mutable um oh it is and that it's it, it and that the story can evolve naturally in very interesting ways at the table um and it, it certainly has uh in in several different type in several different ways i've found at least for my and, and my players characters have evolved in or developed in certain ways that i didn't expect in our um in our in our playthrough of of this andromeda game um yeah. but yeah it's it's definitely like a thing where it's like wait no God, like that's that's not really According to the lore, that's not exactly possible to do, and they're like, "Why not? Let's let's try and let's try and uh, like let's try and change things up. Let's try and make let's try and make the, the galaxy a little bit better." It's our <laughs> it's like, world now. Ex- exactly. Yeah. It's it's like <laughs> I, I reject your reality and substitute part of my own <laughs> to uh, onto it. I, I will transplant part of my own will upon this world. <laughs> so I got to tell you the latest bad idea in the history or a series of bad ideas. <laughs> Because um, I mentioned that you know you can use the David coins to buy stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were getting ready to do what is ostensibly a stealth mission, and one of the guys in the party said, "Well, I would like to buy a couple of wands to help that out. Can I buy them with David coins?" And I said, "Well, yes, you can. Um, I've got a couple of different places set up as far as you know, nice vendors. There's Crazy Hakiko's uh, used uh, magic item emporium." Uh, special today, half quaffed, half off on potions. Um, you know, things like that. But there's also a slod within the city that has been bound to a house. So the joke about uh, Caesar, the slod, is that he is um, he is a hopeless shut-in, but he also has access to all of the chaos magic. And he said, well, I want to go buy wands from the slot. I said, are you sure about that? He goes, yes. The way that you say that makes me even more certain. I'm like, Adam. So he goes in. I said, here's the deal. Normally, it's going to cost you three coins per wand. 
Two, if they've got some uh, caveat to them, like, you know, you don't know how many charges are on them when you get them from the used item emporium. Or they are available at one per from the slot. And by the way, those are buy one, get two free. So he buys two wands. And I tell him, here's the caveat for those wands. They all look identical. When you pick it up, you know how to cast the spell in the wand. You do not know what spell is in the wand. Russian roulette. (laughs) Yes, it is very much Russian roulette. Um, He gave me two specific spells he wanted to buy. And then I went to my brother, who doesn't play a lot of tabletop games, and I said, I would like for you to do me a favor. He's like, what do you want me to do? Here is a list of spells. I want you to pick out a bunch of them that look fun to you. He goes, okay. So he starts going through the list, and he's writing them down. And so in addition to his wand of fireball and his wand of greater invisibility, which I was completely on board with that because, again... He doesn't know which one he's going to cast. Maybe you're going to make that enemy go up in flames. Maybe you're going to make the enemy invisible. Maybe you're going to make yourself invisible. Maybe you're going to set yourself on fire. Who knows? Um, But then once he started going through the list, there's a bunch of different spells that I just threw in. Like There's a spell called They Know, which if you cast it on somebody, it makes them insanely paranoid that whoever it was who cast the spell knows their deepest, darkest secret, and they're going to react to that accordingly. And I'm like, this has to make oh, it in. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And just to, just to make this a group effort, because I don't want it to be entirely Adam's show, I said, here's the deal. Um, every time that you reach for a wand, you will pull out a wand. You don't know what the spell is that's on it. So I'm going to have two people roll a d6 for me. One of them is going to determine where on the list do I start counting, and the other one determines how far do I count. Uh, The other thing about that is uh, the wands have this compulsion built into them that as soon as you cast the spell, they go right back into the pouch. The wands all have to stay together. So you can't go, I know this one's the wand of fireball. I'm a drop it so somebody else can pick it up and only have that one. No, you cast it, it goes right back into the pocket. All of the wands in this particular batch are linked to each other. So it's always, always going to be Russian roulette of wands. Nice. And <laughs> yeah. I outlined these rules before he cast a single spell. He found that he can hand the packet of wands to anybody in the party who has spellcasting levels and they work. And they also handed them to the one brawler in the party and said, do you know how these work? And it's like, oh yeah, you just take it out and it does a swish and a flick and you cast a spell. How do I know this? Get these away from me. You, you, <laughs> you point the end of the star at it towards the people you want to blow up. <laughs> point towards enemy or friends or whatevs. I would apologize to y'all for having to run away and I may end up cutting this out of the recording, but I just got the most country phone call that you've ever heard. Like, well, oh, I got to hear this one. <laughs> all right. So I'm sitting here, you know, recording a podcast with people from, you know, Americans and Canadians. And all of a sudden I get a phone call from somebody who lives near my father-in-law. I was like, my goats are in his field and I need to get a mile. <laughs> like, well, like, he's gone like today i don't want to just tell him like yeah go on over here get them get those goats so i don't even know what's in the field so i'm sitting here trying to like negotiate where i'm not telling him hey this man's not going to be home today 
you know, if you wanted to like break into the house or the garage or anything. But at the same time, I was trying to, you know, help him out. So I'm negotiating that on the phone. And then finally, I'm like, fuck it. Here's his phone number and all that. But like, how many other tabletop themed RPG podcasts do you get an interruption (laughs) about goats that he needs to capture? Oh, yeah. And by the way, there's a man coming down with a trank gun to shoot to the goats because there's no way that they're going to catch him. Oh, hell the, no. yeah. yeah. This week on RPX, what gets your goat? <laughs> Thank you. I, that, that should be I, love that. <laughs> I, I kind of like uh, jumped out of the conversation. So like again, I may have to edit this part out, but uh for both of your alts, and I'm sure that Rob like Rob can I'd like him to kind of jump in to describe what he's dealing with right now, but uh, it seems like an important part of a campaign is negotiating the players and player buy-in and so forth. So very much so in particular with you, uh, when you were worried about switching their rank within that world, like uh, what were you kind of expecting? Were you expecting that the players are um, going to, you know, buck up or not enjoy it if they can't be running around doing renegade shit all the time? Or like, how did you uh, prepare or manage that kind of situation? Um, Actually, honestly, so, so, okay. So we did have, a, so we had a, we, they, uh, we have a moment or we have a situation where uh, for most of the campaign are my players, like three of them. Okay. Two of them um, are, are, are very are for the most part pa- um, paragon like law like for the most part good um, and not like gonna murder hobo somebody. Um, we have an advisory character who like he's he's our basically our veteran player because he's he's played the most tabletop games out of all of us. So he decided for this campaign he was going to play the role of I'm not going to be a pathfinder. I'm going to be the guy the oversight a- agent for the council monitoring these new pathfinders. And like evaluating their their plan, so that's basically he's he's actually taking a very interesting like hands off approach of like certain things because he's like no I'm gonna let the other players do uh, uh, do all the heavy lifting because they're the pathfinders, um, and I will just be here with my Omni Tool clipboard taking notes, <laughs> and he'll 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 kick in like when things get really dire he'll step in because he's a he's the professional, <laughs> um, and then we have my our Krogan pathfinder who. He's a new player. He's a bit of a gamer. So he and and he, when he thinks of Krogan, he thinks, "Oh, I gotta destroy everything!" Ah, oh, Krogan. So he's your thing toucher. Yeah, he's our thing toucher, and he's also our renegade. So we had a we had a Batarian standoff, um, halfway through the game. Where is that is, as as someone out of the loop with Mass yeah, Effect? Sorry. Is that a standoff with Batarians, or is that just a Mexican standoff in space? It, it's a Mexican standoff. I just I added I added I needed to come up with a name that was fitting for Mass Effect. Oh, okay, Effects. I, I yeah. didn't I, I didn't know. I thought that was genuinely. I, a I understand. I apologize. I, yeah, I dig I, it. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. I respect I, that. I initially said, it, "All right, so we have a Mexican standoff, guys." Here, and then I was like, "No, wait, we have a Batarian standoff." <laughs> um. So um, where where one of the players. Krogan, um, who's a little bloodthirsty, uh, was going to going to um, kick a completely downed and helpless uh, helpless pirate. He okay, so he he 
they brutalized a a a, a, a pirate um, on this derelict ship. He was basically he both his legs were broken. He cr- he was crumpled practically, and like his all like just he was. They were able to stabilize him. That was about it. But they need to get him back to their ship to their med bay if they want to keep him around. And the and the Krogan just picks him up and starts walking him out to the to the to the open vacuum um, of space, getting ready to just huck him into space. And the rest of the guys are like, "No, we don't do that. <laughs> he's helpless. He's he's defenseless. He's our captive. Like he needs to go back to like the council space. He needs to go back to like feast justice. This isn't justice." And he's like, "I'm Krogan. I will, I want like he's he's no longer used to us. He's a he's a he's a he's our enemy." It's like no, and so everyone like fired upon like like they all like tried to subdue the Krogan in various different degrees. Like one of them used like a freeze thing to try and freeze him, didn't work. One of them tried to like use a a um uh, um a uh, like a stun fist, didn't work. That one of them biotically charged, headbutted the Krogan, didn't work. <laughs> and it, it it really boiled down to like. Everybody had a, had a like was like holding on to the Krogan, tr- trying to stop him from keep from from moving, and we actually like stopped the game. It's like, all right, guys, we we're at a we're at a, a standoff here. We need to. I'm gonna. I think that I think we're gonna end the session here, and we'll pick up on this immediately when we get back, or we'll figure this out. And what we ended up doing was like stopping the recording, and and talking. It's like, Sab, do you really want to do this? Like. Do you, do you really want to go this renegade? And he's like, well, no one's no one's talking to me. Like no one's like role playing with me about my to my character. To like, this is all my character knows is like he's a tank bred Krogan who is thrust into this role by his by his super by his by his uh, by his uh, uh, his higher ups. Like this is how I'm treating my characters. Like, okay, so next session we need to have a role play talk down or a cool off. Otherwise. We should just fade to black, and you guys are returning back to the ship, and it's like, yeah, Runt just killed a guy in cold blood. <laughs> like, so, and we we started talking about it off recording, and it was like one of the one of the other players, uh, the, the the oldest friend to Seb, he's like, all right, you know what, my character is going to uh, my Corian character, my small Corian character, compared to this seven to eight foot tall Krogan, is going to um, let his heart out to this Krogan to try and to try and uh and and um calm him down and like make him relate to us because at that point we realized that Seb's character did not like did not have a very a very amicable view of his teammates <laughs> so yeah we had to uh we basically had a had a had a communication thing that we we had or a discussion between games and then we we had a role play session where the character um was role played with the others about how violence isn't always the answer <laughs> and or isn't always like it doesn't always have to like end in like completely killing somebody and then like that actually comes up in a really good dramatic moment in the last session <laughs> or in the, in the second last session and please don't hurt her <laughs> yeah exactly and, and it actually like it actually kind of changed my uh my uh like it, it that that karmic uh, like choice actually altered their their path uh, kind of going into se- into what will probably be season 2 i.e. 
all right, guys, so you guys have some choices. You guys can either leave the Pathfinder initiative and become freelancers, or you get shit Pathfinder jobs into season two. <laughs> Um, and, and that is no longer quite the case because of certain actions that happened and developments that actually occurred as yeah. a result of that. And that I, I believe that was the kind of role play and discussion moment where that all kind of like branched off from. So it's kind of like patching the ship as as it's going. So you, you see the problem, you're trying to make it to the end game of your campaign, and yeah. we just take a moment to... Uh, you know, have a, a brief little conversation and discuss repercussions. And, yeah. you know, if yeah. we even experienced that in the, our last uncle's session. Uh, with, <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> with uh, just sitting down to talk to the players. And, you know, everybody needs a little bit of screen time. And I can, I, I can totally understand with the, um, you know, the Krogan not getting the opportunity to develop so forth and so on. So, that, yeah, that yeah. was a really cool way that uh, you address that yeah it, it yeah we we came i came to realize like on the later half unfortunately the later half of this campaign that the reason why seb was was mostly quiet or like rampaging through when like when it came to fighting and stuff like that was because seb seb himself is usually very tired by the time we by the time we get around to him <laughs> <laughs> so and he also uh, like we we actually talk about it a little bit um in the end game like as we were ta- like uh, after we we finished the game up he also kind of has that thing that I have occasionally when I'm running with you guys is I'm enamored by like by everybody else's role playing and like by the story that's being developed that I forget I'm a player in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's he, there's been a few moments where I've had to like I've had to force myself to like remember it's like right what why has Seb been quiet this entire time Seb what are you doing <laughs> uh, what what is Runt doing uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. It's almost like we need, as a game master, we need an initiative order of like, all right, I haven't heard from Rob yet. So, Rob, what are you doing in this scene? Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I do find that helps a lot to kind of internalize it. Like with um, Powered by Apocalypse systems, which I run more often than not, mm-hmm. I, I do I do find myself like informally kind of taking turns. Like, yeah, I, think, uh, I think you got to do that sometimes just for the the sake of like making sure everybody gets a spotlight yeah uh, not to cut I, you I, off rob <laughs> Sorry. No. not at uh, all david how about your ongoing uh pathfinder campaign so you you've mentioned a few things about it in particular what elements did you kind of encounter that would impede you making it to the end of a particular arc and how did you address those well, there's a couple of things that um, I can definitely speak to that on. One is that sometimes the players just miss the clues because it's Monday. It's usually after work uh, for a lot of them. And sometimes I'm not exactly as blatant as I think I am. Uh, so part of it is that there is a buy a clue mechanic. Like if they manage to not make it through all of the plot hooks, they can just kind of go, I'm kind of stuck here. What do I need for plot? And uh, there's also periodic check-ins where I will let them know about plot hooks that they have, that they haven't looked into, uh, so that they know which boxes are still available to check. And part of that, too, is when I go through at the very end of the table, I will also identify blatantly to the players just which hooks have you discovered this time around that you haven't pursued? Which ones have you not looked at? 
And I think that that helps a little bit. Um, one of the things that also helps, because I'm trying to keep it from being railroady. Like, you know, you have to go and talk to Bob. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to proceed with the story. But we don't want to talk to Bob. Bob's an asshole. Two, two so, point and click adventure. Well, you didn't try yeah. rubbing it with your toothbrush. <laughs> exactly. So what I've tried to do as far as um, as far as the system is concerned is I tried to give it or tried to give them some more flexibility in because um, I've told them like for the first part of the story, um, there are 12 counselors of the city. If they get the signature from a counselor on their paperwork, they get to be longtime residents. To be a citizen, you need three. Some of those signatures are easier to get than others. And I tell them that much at the very beginning of it, but there's 12 of them to pick from, so they can go any direction that they choose. And usually the players are open about that. They'll start with figuring out, okay, who are the counselors? Where are the hooks? What exactly can we... Uh, what do we need to do to get these? Which ones are the easy buttons? And then at that point, almost always, the group will go, well, we could go for this easy button over here. Or we could try hard mode. Let's go for hard mode. Yeah. And <laughs> um, and it helps. Like, I try to give them multiple avenues, uh, multiple different ways to progress, because as I keep telling them, this is your story. Now, there are certain elements to this that are going to happen, regardless of what you do. So be aware of that part at the very beginning. Uh, but at the at the end of the day, at the end of the campaign, your choices are going to inform a lot of this. And like the siege of the city is coming up, and the factions that they have managed to win over are going to be the ones that are going to step up and are going to help to defend the city the most. The factions that they don't manage to win over, the groups that they are not in bed with, are more likely just going to hole up, turtle up, and protect their own stuff. Like if the city walls gets breached, or gets if the city walls get breached, um, certain neighborhoods are just going kind of going to put a barricade up to the end and go nope, and just put everybody in the cellar. But on the other hand, um, if they try to go through cobalt territory, that's not going to work out too good for them. Like when the army start coming through, the the cobalt mafia has already been on the player's side and they're just gonna gonna step out and go you pick the wrong neighborhoods nice Nice. i like that so is it kind of like you're building in fail safes to continue everything along oh there's always at least a fail safe like um i i've never actually had to fall back to that point like most of my players are engaged to the point where there is a faction that they want to go for now, I'll grant you that the, not every player is going to like every faction. Like, Christy, who plays the healer in every single game, uh, took one look at the massive Cathedral of Bone with the skeleton at the end of it wearing a crowd of gnomish femurs and just kind of went, nope, uh-uh, I'm, I'm not going in there. And as a matter of fact, I'm going the other way really fast. Why are you guys going in? <laughs> yeah. So different strokes for different folks, but at least everybody is finding their stroke. Everybody is finding a place. Mm -hmm. And while there are plot hooks that they haven't pursued, um, not so much because they haven't wanted to, but because they feel a certain amount of responsibility. Um, They haven't gone through the pit fight arena yet, but they really want to because they met Sparkles the Unicorn once. And uh, now they want to kill that fucking unicorn. 
Ah, sparkles. <laughs> that was my, one of my favorite things to draw for Ross. <laughs> it, I, I think you would love his iteration in this. Um, in this, Sparkles is also functionally immortal, but if he dies by some kind of damage, when he resurrects the next morning, um, his mane gets a little bit of color to it. And so the more that... Um, the more that Sparkles does, the more that, um, or I mean, the more times that you kill Sparkles, the more resilient he is to that method the next time around. So if you douse him in acid, eventually he's going to have a green streak in his mane, and then suddenly acid doesn't work anymore. Oh my god! So wait, is he like like the longer he the more he the more he dies, he just becomes like has a prismatic uh, prismatic mane. <laughs> yes. Like, oh my god! Get, I love that. If you get to Sparkles with a rainbow mane and shining shining hooves. Uh, you've hit peak sparkles, and uh, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> God hey guys, mode tried, man. Yeah, I was going to say, hey guys, I've ascended to godhood now. <laughs> I just need worshippers that I don't murder. Yeah, Jesus that, Christ. God, this, yeah. that seems so very reminiscent of, uh, and I can't remember the scenario that Ross ran, uh, but the title of it, but it was a Cthulhu Dark scenario where Tom's character was basically immortal. Like his body would adapt to the damage, so you could keep beating on him till he basically turned into a gigantic monster. Don't essentially, that one. It, 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 I remember <laughs> it had fat. Like it's one oh. that had fat in it. He was playing a foppish uh, uh, aristocrat. Yes. You're gonna have to narrow it down a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. So, yeah, I mean that's that sounds pretty awesome. Just how you kind of got all that that set up there. Uh, so the trick isn't so much um, not giving the players what they want. Um, I'm giving them what they want, but I'm giving them so much of it. Like I, I feel like this is the success of the campaign in a nutshell, that it's not that there is a banquet set in front of them and they just don't want to eat any of it because they're allergic to shellfish. It's I've set a banquet in front of them and they keep coming back for more. And the biggest regret that they have at the moment is that they haven't been able to sample all of the things. And that's what I'm shooting for with this is I want it to be a campaign where even if you try for full completion, you're not going to hit everything. Even if you, um, even if you tick all of the boxes, there's still going to be a couple of things that are floating around that you haven't touched. And to be fair, there's some things in the campaign that they haven't liked as much. Like, um, I'm encouraging racism against humans, dwarves, elves, and gnomes. Like, I'm shining a light on it as far as it being a horrible, horrible thing. But at the same time, um, I don't have any penalties for doing so. Because in this city, no, humans are bad. Humans are the reason why most of us live here. Everybody in the city has somebody that they have lost to the great empire of humanity. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and the thing about it is... I've already mentioned to the players that whoever does the best uh, this time around is going to be written in as an NPC. One of the NPCs that is currently in is the quote-unquote pet of the Rogues Guild. There is a human who is essentially wearing a collar, uh, who gets to sleep on a nice big cushion on the floor, has an inflated pig's bladder that makes a squeaky sound when he grabs it. But um, he exists for two purposes in the game, to show what happens to humans who actually do end up living in the city for a long length of time, and also to demonstrate um, one of the fun item families I've thrown in. So you can get tattoo magic, but the requirement of it is, first off, it gets tattooed on your skin, 
And second, it doesn't function unless that skin is bare. And so he's he's the uh, shirtless, shoeless human who is the pet of the rogues guild and looks obviously harmless, but at the same time, he can go full Cuisinart if he activates all of the tattoos. Cool. But yeah, they're the players are not too happy with that development because they kind of said, well, wait, aren't, aren't all humans bad? Well, are they really? Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, racism bad, guys. I, I thought yeah. that that was something that we could all agree on. Racism bad, yes? Uh, yeah, when you put it that way. In this case, it's, well, on the one hand, yes, you're right, racism bad. Maybe not all humans are bad, but at the same time, the, the massive army that's coming, oh, they bad. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag no tall humans. Right. Hashtag no tall humans. <laughs> So it seems like uh, we've got we've kind of been talking about situations of just constantly kind of checking your table and all. But what happens kind of if uh, the end game of a particular campaign is uh, not well received or kind of maybe say perhaps they feel it is disenfranchising? The few times that we've made it to the end of that arc. Um, I can tell you that some of what the players are going to like and some of what the players are going to dislike um, just in the previous six times is that the battle is going to go on. It's going to happen. There is no way that they can stop the army from making it to the city. It's just the size of the army is going to make a difference. Um, The extra forces that the humans bring to bear as far as magical artillery are still going to be there regardless of what kind of magical artillery that they put up. Like the end of the chapter is always going to boil down to group of assassins works their way into the city and tries to kill the 13th counselor, the guy who runs the entire city because the linchpin, the thing that makes chapter two happen is going to be his death. And the fact that there is no way that they can prevent the death, because if they prevent his death, the story ends. But if they don't prevent his death, now now we get to move on to the big part of, I think it's actually technically chapter four. But if they don't go on to chapter four, that ends the campaign. And there have been a couple of groups that haven't quite understood that because they feel a certain amount of failure in the fact that they're not able to keep a 97-year-old man alive, which... The thing that I kind of emphasize on that is, dude, he's 97. His time was coming soon. They hastened his end a little bit, but um, he's going to die. I I like the idea that they they put him in in something like Captain Pike or like the God Emperor, and he's just like, please, and me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, story-wise, he is the most powerful person in the city, and he is also a human. Like, the whole reason why the city exists is because, as far as the great empire of humanity was concerned, he went out into the wilderness, he built a city, um, he made deals with the monsters, and he made um, an arrangement with the emperor at the same time that says, as long as I live, I control this city. This place is mine. The second that he dies, it reverts to the Empire of Humanity's property, and they can do with it what they want. So that's the deal. However, the flip side of that, the rider that he put in 
was as long as he dies of natural causes. Like, if he gets murdered, all bets are off. And so that's going to be the thing, is he is going to get murdered. The city gets to survive, even without him. But now the players have to go to the Emperor, or have to go into the Great Empire of Humanity, and just basically murder their way through the Senate. Or they can go in and convince the Senate through, you know, convincing arguments. But let's be honest, this is my party. They blew up an entire set of docks by accident. Yeah. Murder. You've missed the craziest and therefore most likely solution of weekended Bernies. <laughs> oh god! Also, just to kind of like uh, to tie into that a little bit, it's like, man, like it's it's kind of roles can also dramatically change the world of or like the the the, the plot a little bit in games, can't it? <laughs> oh yeah! Like um, the last Mass Effect game, we had at least four natural ones. And at least three or four natural twenties, <laughs> um, at very at dramatically appropriate times, I might add. Yeah, <laughs> like the to the point where like one of the players, like his character, actually, like like we actually again we uh, talk about discussion stuff, like uh, kind of out of game. He he decided that he, the next thing he was going to spend for his character was a certain feat that would allow him to like be able to for once a session turn a natural one into a nat into at least a nat two because never again because of, <laughs> of one of the nat ones dramatically changed the course of 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 the scenario and the lives of several dozen citizens and it's just like and his character really took it like as it was his fault for failing to do something about it yeah so and that's why you gotta roll those halflings yeah. And, and hey, to be fair, that is the entirety of the reason why the David coins exist in the first place. The first group to run this rolled so many ones in the first session that they broke math. And so <laughs> I kind of said, you know what? I'm going to reward creative role play with the save your ass coins. Yeah. And the cost of staying alive with the coins has definitely gone down from previous sessions because it used to be spend everything you got to live. And it's gone down because there have been so many times where it's spend everything you got to live. Oh shit, now do it again. Does anybody have coins to lend? It's actually one of the reasons why I like Edge in Shadowrun. Uh, is it's kind of like it's similar, it's a similar kind of thing. It's like you can spend Edge to to re-roll something. And if uh, like and it's it's for the most part a renewable resource like you because you you get them from doing like quippy things or things that make the GM laugh or like have really good dramatic moments and the GM like you know what, guys take an edge, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can also burn an edge permanently from your from your your sheet to survive. So like yeah, I was like I like your character gets like hit by a bazooka uh, and you're completely like down like you're it's like over ten ten like points of, of health like your character's basically dead it's like uh no i'm gonna burn an edge my character somehow survives that that that, that damage but like i'm out of the i'm out of the narrative right now but i'm i survived it damn it <laughs> how did you survive that bazooka armor took most of it and then the rest of it was transferred into sending me flying through that yes. wall over there exactly yeah so it's like yeah I, I, that's what whenever you're saying like david coins and like the, the way i'm thinking is like it's just it, it's edge and like again like every i think systems need more of that kind of thing or like need like some systems need to have that in place for um for exactly what we're why you're using them 
Yeah. Yeah. Like having played cyberpunk games and almost died because of rolling a one. Yeah. And hitting the dreaded, you tripped over a turtle that or tripped over invisible turtle and somehow managed to shoot yourself in the face, which is on one of the fumble charts. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> that's one of the, you rolled a one and you died because of it. What were you doing? I was trying to convince that guy to let me buy bread. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, he took that, real that, offense to it. Or no, you you took a bite of his bread and you died of of uh, of of moldy bread. <laughs> well, no, it's literally the the way that they work it worded in the fumble is: I tried to convince him to sell me bread for a slightly cheaper price. He said no, and I turned away, tripped over a turtle, and somehow shot myself in the head. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> where did you have the gun while you were negotiating for bread? Apparently, it was in my hand the whole time. It was a very, very spirited haggling session. <laughs> yeah, aggressive negotiations. But at the same time, the hor- the <clears throat> the horrible thing about it is that even holding a gun in hand and pointing it at this guy, he just says, no, bread is same price. <laughs> like, that is a badass bread. Kind of, yeah. Uh, what kind of life has this baker led? It it sounds like some trailer park boy shit. It's the dystopian cyberpunk future. <laughs> He's seen some shit. He's seen well, a man clearly. depose and then fall out of the sky. <laughs> He's seen Look, a cat loses... just explode out from underneath a motorcycle for no reason. <laughs> He's seen a guy get into a car and then the car like goes vertical and starts driving off that way. <laughs> he loses six people a week in his shop to invisible robot turtles. Like yes, exactly. What, yeah, those damn more. stealth turtles. They're 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 a blight on the city. <laughs> they're everywhere. You could basically take that kind of situation, turn make uh, turn your game into a lit RPG game where the glitches are starting to kick in, and then the big reveal at the end was, "Oh, you were in a video sim- game the whole time." Kind of. Thing. You've so been I'm in thinking- a simul space this entire time. Let's <laughs> keep You've taking like. This entire time you've been playing an RPG with a really shitty fumble shirt. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay, I that have... makes so much more sense now. Yeah. That, that ends with your players realizing the big bad all along was you and then bludgeoning you to death with the rule book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's where you that's where you then switch the game to like a uh, to a, um to like all right, your characters find a way out of the meta game, out of the metaverse into reality to just like bludgeon your players. What were you thinking? Just, oh, that roll. Just just find just find like a handful of really dedicated cosplayer fans, <laughs> friends who do you like to leave out of the closet. Oh god. Get better dice. <laughs> Drown them in rum. <laughs> Drown them in rum. And by the way, you know what dice work best for that? Easyrollerdice.com. Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, I think I think next Gen Con that I go to in real life, I'm gonna have to go to their booth and it's like, you have RPPR to thank for this, by the way. <laughs> well Ross Ross and David from Roleplay Public Radio, you have them to thank. You should thank them. <laughs> Give them a sponsorship. <laughs> well, like on the latest, uh, on the latest uh, Kickstarter, when I went to back it and I, uh, you know, posted about it on social media, I got an email directly from them that said, "Thank you so much for what you do." And I thought it was the generic one at first until the second line, and it says, "I think you're going to love the new purple options." Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, they're listening. <laughs> 
Oh my god. So I, they're I was either to... listening or there is somebody with an easy roller who uh, also has the fondness for purple and just stumbled onto it. But if you look at the different dice oh. that are available for winning, it's the Purple Dragon Collection. They're all metal dice in different colors, but all of the numbers are purple dragons. And so now, so now, if one of you are listening, you have to sponsor us because we basically done an extended commercial. <laughs> I, I've in no shit in person when I bought my Easy Roller Dice stuff at Origins several years ago. I walked up and I mentioned RPPR. I was like, "Man, they just keep talking about EasyRollerDiceCup.com or whatever." And then, uh, you know, they, you know, I'm sure a lot of people walked up and mentioned to them that they keep hearing RPPR plug their products. So that's that's awesome, dude. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. We're literally doing these people a commercial. Come on. Oh, man. Well, like, like, uh, like it's, it's years in the make. It's years of, of free advertising that they've done. <laughs> Easy roller. <laughs> bup, bup. Hey, Rob, we've we've kind of danced around yeah. your, your particular game here. So you were mentioning... Uh, so well, let me kind of encapsulate some stuff here. What we've kind of, it seems like we've been discussing, you know, is kind of uh, along the lines of, you know, checking your party, talking with them, uh, you know, presenting numerous options and all that. And I was kind of wondering about your particular experience in doing a campaign and, you know, trying to make it to the end game and some hurdles that you've encountered. Yeah, I, I think um, one thing, I think this might be a separate talkie at this stage, because unfortunately today I, I just wasn't really vibing with stuff uh, quite enough oh, okay. to leave the discussion. But oh, okay. uh, yeah, well, one, of, one of my campaigns is kind of ended through and it got me reflecting on the fact that like I tend to have the idea of a big event at the end, but rarely get there because I think unfortunately... I either l go with the flow and kind of let the players build up their experience and then someone will move away or they'll just sort of be the attrition that it gradually does fall apart. And yeah, I, I think it, it would be good to do a talkie about sort of doing it with end goals in mind. Um, I think uh, I think that you guys covered a lot of ground for how to get most of the way there. Like uh, party communication is super critical. If you guys are doing sessions, then it's worthwhile sort of always making sure there's a quick post-session wrap-up, I think, is great. Just sort of like, yeah, how did you guys like that? Where do you want to go kind of thing? Yeah. And yeah, I I think that's kind of what you need, a lot of communication with the players. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, that's yeah. talking, but I think, not to, not to keep talking over people, yeah. but I, I do think that like communication is like one of the biggest issues that, that players, t or that, that like groups tend to have, is like, they don't like I I've, I've had a couple of instances where they've just uh, like where we like I, I, I do that like, hey, any comments, questions, concerns about the game? How do you guys like it? Uh, what what could be improved? And I've had a couple of times where like a player comes into the game. And is like, you, you don't have to do that, man. Like, like we're, we're here to play. It's like, no, no, I want to know what you guys want to to how to improve. I want to know as a GM, I want to try and improve. Like I have to like address that. Yeah. Um and I think I think a lot of people don't some I, I think I think a lot of issues that uh come out of like GMing and and gaming uh, with players and with friends is that sometimes you don't talk about a lot about like about that kind of stuff. Like you you kind of keep it up until like the next game, but you should talk about it between games. Like and this another this... thing to throw in on that too is um 
yeah, pro tip, don't just do that with the group as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I found out the hard way uh, with a couple of the groups in the past that I thought that we had a good enough relationship that we could talk about things aloud like that. But um, if you've got three players who are having the best time of their life and one player who is not enjoying the way that the story is going, if you just put it out there as a big public thing in front of the entire group, Mm. uh, sometimes people's voices don't get heard. Yeah. And so periodically check in on your players but one one on one too yeah i i think that's another talking in itself like uh, i found that uh even one-on-one especially people who aren't too experienced with rpgs but also i think a lot of people aren't really comfortable criticizing their friends like and it, it feels like that even if it's just a minor thing that as a more veteran GM you might not even think about. There's a lot of people who might not feel comfortable saying, like, well, I didn't really like that part of your game because they either they've never GM'd and it feel they they're worried about criticizing or saying anything, or they're just not the kind of people who like to speak up in that sort of situation. But I, I do think there's a lot of ways to encourage them out. Talking with them individually can really help. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think the the other thing for me that uh, I ran into here, I'm kind of mourning the end of a campaign due to player attrition, is I think just sort of session. I I want to say time management, but that sounds terrible and work like, but sort of like session management or story planning to the point where you know roughly how long you want to take and make sure in session zero the players are down to ride that out, or if you need to kind of make it shorter, because. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to have an end goal in a lot of campaigns, but I very rarely make it there. And that's something that kind of a little bit disappointed me in retrospect. There have been very few climactic boss battles that uh, I've been able to run. So I, I think those who are both good talkies for the future and things that uh, what we discussed here, I, I think would help us kind of reach that, will help you reach that goal of, uh, you know, keeping everything intact long enough to run through the whole campaign. Yeah. You know, kind of going back to the the uncle's game that we were running too, and of course we're working with a medium here to where we're recording games, and then you know straight up j- jacked us from Ross with uh, questions, comments, suggestions at the end of each session. Oh, yeah. I I mean I basically retaught myself RPGs by listening to RPPR, and that's what got me back into the hobby. But um, there's stuff that happens with us like off mic that um has been very beneficial for us like i'm kind of like you were mentioned beforehand like people don't want to speak or something like that i I think with uh your with me in general it's just kind of as i go through the game and stuff starts mounting up and you're like well that's okay that's okay and then as it slowly starts building up um you know none of us want to ruin the fun of everyone else and uh, after after the game ends and the session, you know, or at least the session's over and stuff like that, yeah, having that moment to sit down and go, you know, everybody kind of, you know, talk about it. And in general, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, you motherfucker, you or, you know, anything like that, but communication and yeah. all. And that's, that's saved many of a, a game for us, I feel like. Yeah, I, I actually, I honestly feel the same way. Uh, I've actually... In the Mass Effect game uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had uh, I was I was told something by one of my players, and he didn't mean it the way he said it. But it's just the way he talks sometimes, and he tries not to say it that way, but it just comes out that way with his mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And I didn't talk to him for a week 
about it until like the next game. And I felt like total crap for like the whole week. And then as soon as I, as soon as, soon as we started like uh, jumping on the mic again, I was like, first off, er, er, like, buddy, I gotta, I gotta address something. Like you kind of destroyed me emotionally with what you said last week. And he's like, why didn't you tell me that sooner? When did we talk about it? I was like, I don't know. I just, I didn't really, I didn't know if, you were busy for the whole week and i didn't know like i figured i'd just talk to you like now it's like no we need to we, you need that's something you need to talk about like when we like the next day or like as soon as like like as soon as that kind of comes up you need to address that sir yeah and <laughs> i was I like mean, yeah so it's like again we're terrible at communication sometimes yeah. as, as gamers also yes <laughs> and knowing that knowing that we are bad at communication i think as time has gone by, I've gotten a lot better about forgiving people for stepping all over me, mm-hmm. with the caveat that I hope that people will forgive me in return when I do the same. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. understanding beforehand that it is accidental, like I am never going to intentionally trample all over somebody. And if I say something that hurts you, and you don't tell me that I said something that hurts you, I'm going to keep making the same mistake again. Yeah. Um, and knowing that we all have some verbal tics, I know that some of us have annoying turns of phrases that we go to. Like one of the ones I'm really bad about, especially post-concussion, is when I say, how do I put this? I'm not trying to sound condescending. I'm trying to put the words into the proper order because the part of my brain that lets me do that fast doesn't work so well anymore. And age has made it even worse. And so. Yeah. It's not y'all, it's me. But at the same time, I'm aware that sometimes it can come across as mean or condescending. But if you don't tell me about it, I don't know that I'm doing it. Yeah. And so that's the, that's a vital part of the communication, too, is letting people know what they're doing so that they can fix it. Yeah. And I wish, David, kind of jumping off of that here, too. I wish that, and I aim on doing this. This is like a personal goal of mine because I have sat in sessions before and just, I'm getting irritated. I'm getting irritated and I'm getting irritated. And, you know, it's nothing that's been done to me in malice, but it's just like things keep building up and I'm reluctant to, to say something until, you know, it gets to a a breaking point. And as a player, I need to, uh, address that and, you know, stop in the middle. Like if it's starting to get a little, uh, in, out of my comfort zone, or if I'm starting to get annoyed by this, like, you know, I know I got a table that will allow me to do this. And I've been very blessed with that. Just like all my friends, we can sit down, like if we're playing, we can all sit down and, you know, pull the e-brake, so to speak, and talk about it. It's just getting to that point myself. I just need to acknowledge that I'm making matters worse. And, and I could go ahead and address it. And in a five minute conversation and a 10 minute bio break, we can jump back into a game that everybody is, you know, having fun in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if I were going to urge any of our listeners in general, it's just, you know, I have these conversations with your table and, you know, as a game master provide, or it really players responsibility too, though, you know, provide a setup to where we can all sit and talk because there's not going to be any hard feelings if I was to say that, you know, hypothetically speaking, that something came up in the scenario that, you know, not quite an X card or whatnot, but things are kind of going in a direction that I'm uncomfortable with. 
uh, you know, it's easier to fix that problem now than after the the dice has been put up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. Like, don't let it build up and don't let, like, I mean, again, like, yeah, don't let it build up. Don't let it, don't let a week go by. And then like right before the next session, Hey man, like I need to talk to you about last session. Wait, why didn't, why aren't you talking to, why aren't you, why didn't you talk to me at like that session about it? Yeah. If you had an issue, it's like, I, I'm, I didn't want to like, it's like, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it just adds on to like the whole issue with like, awkward, yeah. like just like you need to communicate. We need to communicate. Like we're not here to like hurt each other. <laughs> we're here yeah. to have fun. So think about and, your headspace too, Chris. Like mm-hmm. if I'm pissed at you and I mean, let's just say, let's say this, that uh, I'm a pretty chill guy till I get mad. And then when I get mad, I don't want to say I'm one of those quiet types cause I'm not quiet, but like once I get mad, I stay mad and all that. And you know, when I was talking with Chris Hammond last week, just about the session in general. And I mean, we had a very cordial conversation and it was very productive. But I had made, I had gotten irritated to the point that, you know, managed the conversation. Everything was great. Knew where everybody was going. Like he was totally like gracious with everything he said. And I'm very thankful for that. But, you know, there's still a part of me that for like the rest of the day, I'm walking around like, this son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Just like. Yeah. Like, and, and then you feel guilty about thinking that kind of way, like yeah. toward it. And Especially like, yeah, it, with this group. Because, yeah. I mean. I'm sorry. I have to go on record here. This is this is not a group of oh fuck that guy. There is not a single person in all of RPX that you can stay mad at. Like even yeah. though there's a couple of people who say, oh no, I'm a real asshole. It's like yeah, you say that, but I've met the real ones, and you're yeah, you're a vanilla asshole at best. Um, yeah. Tell that tell that to Adam about poor old me. <laughs> Uh, you do one thing wrong in a drama system (laughs) and you know and i remember that rob you make a good point like i should have like you know stepped in there a moment ago and like hey rob like can you do you mind dialing this part down or can we talk about this and i mean me and rob get along great and i don't understand how anybody could be mad at you rob like you're just the most sweet gracious person on the planet but like there was a moment where i was like you know, getting uh, irritated, and you know, we. Yeah. I didn't say anything, and then I mentioned this like groundbreaking moment to you a month or two ago, and you're like, "I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about." <laughs> like you're around Julia. Like for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> you're, yeah, it's like Adam's Chun Li and, and and Rob's M Bison, and now I want to now I want to draw that title card. Damn it. <laughs> We oh, were in a really right. long, protracted, annoying debate. I, 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 I was in my philosophy MA when that happened. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, it, how bad it, is yeah. it that I'm picturing the caricatures of both? Like I haven't even seen Rob's face yet, but I'm automatically just assuming putting Rob in a bad M Bison costume. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll post my face here briefly uh, for for you guys because I think only Adam and Chris. I'm not even sure about Adam has seen it. No, I've seen your face, please. Okay, yeah, Amer- American Chris. It took years because I, I was very shy about being online, and Chris <laughs> yeah. get over that. But now he's like, "What? P- other people don't have to wait years before you post a fucking photo." Yeah, that, that that'll be his comeback quip. <laughs> yeah, basically, somewhere he's at a farmer's market with his ears burning. It's like they're talking about me. I know it. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think 
I feel like this is a good sort of like chat up talkie, but it's given me like a whole a whole load of ideas for where I'd want to take talkies in the future. Because like we've been talking about communication as people have been playing for a while, and I think it's always something really important to remember. But I, I'm also used to playing live sessions with people who've never played before. I usually step in as the GM. And I think it might be good to sort of like talk about how to introduce these ideas like X cars, how to get people communicating who normally might not be comfortable and compartmentalize in the same way like we do and we're able to talk about. Like I think introducing those concepts are huge. Talking about like how to actually schedule is something I really suffer with. Like I can't think of a time I've done a campaign and been like, This is the last session. Good job, guys. We're we're all done here let's move on to something else or make a sequel to this. And I think those who are really good, and there was one more thing you guys mentioned recently that uh, just in the last little rant there, and I can't remember it, but I feel like there's a whole load to sort of build off and do here. But this also is a great way to kind of give us a general introduction and bridge into those chats. So I, I, I've definitely enjoyed just being on this time. Um, oh, and maybe as well how to deal with that that's what it was how to deal with that guy in social friction because i i can remember i can i've i've been in parties i don't think i've ever been the gm but i've been in parties where like half the people are like what to do with this one guy and then that person sometimes they know it but it's their style and a couple of people are okay with it and it becomes this whole diffusing thing where sometimes just water and oil don't mix that sort of thing. Like, I, I think that those are three really good talkies. I, I mm-hmm. think we get a lot of mileage out of. Awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of stories about those kind of things. I've, I've considered myself blessed because I've never really come across a, like uh, a person in a game, either as a player or as a, as a GM where I've like, where, it, where it's come to like, where like, there's actually been like a palpable tension in the, in, in the group. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I, I think I was, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I'm sorry to hear that, to hear about that. I, I, maybe I maybe I'm just blocking it out. <laughs> like I'm trying. I'm, I'm literally trying right now, trying to think. It's like, what, have I had a? Have I had an experience? Am I that guy? <laughs> no. Uh, but like, just yeah, the, just dealing with like a person who's just like, yeah, that guy in a in a game. Uh, I, I think it says a lot about us, just in general. Um, that I think it's safe to say we've all been on both sides of that particular coin at some point. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that's why in the or our experiences shape us as people. But at this point, I think that we're all like all of us here in this room, um, yeah. all of us here in this chat room, um, <coughs> have hit the point where we can we can relate, and that's why we can we can adjust. Yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of new groups out there. There's a lot of speed bumps that are going to be there like i'm already figuring that the session zero i'm going to have for the next game that i'm going to be running um the very first thing i'm going to emphasize is that level of communication like make sure that everybody who is involved has ways that they can communicate and just kind of say uh you know fuck bob i am sick and tired of bob's bullshit how do we how do we address this it keeps happening to me why do they keep doing this? But you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. At the very least, to be able to just have that talk with Alice about all of the things that are, as opposed to just having the intervention or the intervention and the come to Jesus talk of Alice, 
I think you all know why we're here. Oh no, is this another intervention? Your drinking has gotten out of hand, Alice. Okay, that I've had experience with. <laughs> no, no, to to a later degree. No, like not like like I yeah, like I I have had a player where um he he's a very social drinker or or was in the past and so like we would be gaming and he would be bringing like a, a couple of beers to the table. Um and he would get progressively more drunk as the game went on. I think there a couple of those are recorded and are going to get posted soon on on one less die now I think about it. <laughs> um and it, it got to a point where, like, uh, there was one game that I ran. Um, uh, I think it was a play test for for a game, and the person was like, "Okay, I don't think we can post this play test because that one player of yours is really raunchy." And it's like, "All right, you know what? I, you know, thank you for bringing this up to my attention. I will let him know." And we, and yeah, I had a communication with him. It's like, "Hey, man, could you be a little less raunchy? Uh, like, I know you kind of get you, you're you're having fun and some of that, but like." You you talk about teabagging enemies like corpses like a little too much, <laughs> and like talk about like a little too like like you get a little vulgar uh, like on, on recording and like we are recording games and some of that and it's like and he's like oh you know what I'm I'm sorry I didn't realize I was going that out I will I will keep that in mind and like it was very jo- it was very cordial like we just uh, we talked it out and uh, like since then he's gotten a lot better he's uh, like. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely improved, like definitely um, gotten a little bit healthier on on certain things like that. Like, but yeah, it's it's again communication. <laughs> yeah, like seem to like be the 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 kind of like realizing there is an issue here and we need to address it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think that's I think that's the biggest thing. And like uh, for me, a lot of it was like even when I was meeting them in person, I just kind of hit them up over Facebook at some stage of the week or whatever messaging app you prefer. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, but for a while it was what everyone I knew was using. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And we sort of sent them a message like, yeah, you excited for next week, that sort of thing, and very casually. And they're like, that felt like a safe environment, I think, for them, where it was a little bit easier to air some stuff if they wanted to air some stuff. For the most part, though, it was a we weren't recording, so it was a casual place where we could have a beer or two and not worry. Yeah. Thankfully, no, yeah. no, no threats to teabag though, so that made my life a lot easier. Oh. Yeah, I, I've definitely put a. I think that's going to be one of the first like campaigns I, I am posting on on that podcast where I have a content warning vulgarity, <laughs> um, just because it got a little insane sometimes with like how how drunk he got <laughs> in the games. Well, crazy on. He did name his character Mister Lipton. I mean, it was telegraphed. <laughs> Sorry. No. Joke. Move on. Um, I, I, I will, I will say when this bit first started, I actually thought you were going to go after me because Adam has turned to me at one stage and said, "Rob, could you please stop making alcoholic characters?" <laughs> I'm, I'm sober, but I just find it like such an easy little placeholder thing. Instead of like sighing or something, just be like. My character takes another swig of beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my, it's my. I don't get paid enough for this moment, and it's just such an easy reaction to say. But it is a bit of a cliche. Yeah, Al Rob's characters is basically a support group if you put them all together. <laughs> oh no! Point, Rob. Uh, <laughs> everyone Honestly, is John, except everyone is Rob. <laughs> Honestly, no offense, but playing with you guys, I think having a support group for party members is one of the healthier things. Yeah. Also, yes, I mean it's. I, I would like to apologize in advance and and uh, 
not just in advance, but I would like to apologize also for all of the characters that I have accidentally murdered. Oops. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to that Red Markets game, Longshot. <laughs> I, I, at least in Longshot's case, every time that he kills people, he does say sorry at the end. God, that does sound like the most Canadian crime fighter. <laughs> Batman is like, I don't kill people. It's against the code. The Canadian was like, yeah, I killed some people, but at least I said sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize to the widows. (laughs) I apologize to the widows and the orphans I've made. Um, I'm so sorry about this, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Sent them a beaver tail. (laughs) Uh, I find this to be a fascinating progression as we've kind of went talking this morning here uh it's it's unique it's not as structured as you know typically uh i like to do on a sheet of paper which i'm kind of jokingly saying that our notes are usually like six lines of shit and that's about it and we just kind of riff but uh yeah it's it's been interesting to see how this goes from kind of talking about just the way that we would perhaps structure or frame our gameplay and to promoting and you know addressing stuff and then we kind of end up talking about the real heart of the issue which would be uh you know player buy-in and communication and so forth because i mean it's the most easiest and obvious thing to fix and it's the thing that we tend to address least you know it's uh if they're your friends in most cases, I mean, I'm not saying you're running for your enemies where you're being held by the mob, but like, you know, you are playing with people you're comfortable with and you're having a great time. We're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Here, pick up these dice. No! <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to get these people to continue showing up if, if they're having fun. They're your friends and, you know, that's the kind of relationship we have. And you're going to, you know, I guess not. The, the focal point may not be focusing on on just what you're doing because we all kind of try to, you know, pick up the weight and uh, you know take care of the problem ourselves because we keep thinking if we work hard enough and hard enough at it that it's just going to pull through. And perhaps uh, I guess the real key to a campaign making it to the end is you know talking with your players and checking seeing if everybody's doing and to kind of use an educational thing that, well, it's not an educational term, but I use it in my classrooms is you need to, I guess as a GM, you need to kind of make sure that you have an, you've established an environment where there's trust and people feel safe talking about what is bothering them and, and what is going on to where, you know, these issues can be flagged early on and taken care of before they become something that's going to ruin everybody's fun and perhaps kill a campaign. Yeah. And, and at risk of sounding preachy, um, I think the reason why we do a lot of this, uh, the reason why we play the games is because we want to escape from our reality. If just for a couple of minutes, if just for an hour or two a week. And sometimes if the escape from reality is worse than the reality itself, we need to reevaluate that. Like we need to make sure that it's a fun escape from reality. It's not, Oh dear God, I've got to go do this. After working a 40 hour a week job, you don't want to feel like the game is work. Yeah. And as the one breaking out spreadsheets, (laughs) 
<laughs> Look, you have your fun. I have fun. No. <laughs> these are, at the very least, these are fun spreadsheets. Damn it! Yeah. These, these are spreadsheets about how could I put myself into an octopus. These are not spreadsheets about how am I going to make sure that Bangkok gets paid. See, you know honestly, how many dogs I had to go through that week. There were a honestly, lot of dogs involved. On, on a similar vein, like. I'm still floored by when we when we first started Shatter our, our Shatterrun campaign for One Less Die. I was absolutely floored that one of my players went and made spreadsheets of cheat sheets for the rules of the game <laughs> because he was really because again like I mean Shatter I love Shatterrun to death but your your rules are in another castle is not a a a solid um a solid rule book like formatting uh catalyst games <laughs> like. <laughs> Every rule is in a different book <laughs> that you have to find and hunt down. It's just like, ah. So, and, and yeah, my one player, like, who, who at home, like, he does spreadsheet stuff for, like, work and stuff like that. He made spreadsheets uh, for basically, like, cheat sheets that we use, that we, that we continue to use. And he would modify them and then he'd come out with a new version um, whenever we, like, refined the cheat sheet. <laughs> so. Uh, and that was like part of his fun of the game was like again getting into like bit, like doing this kind of like creative work outside of the game. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. All right, so I'd like to thank you all so much for tuning in on this. This has been a fun conversation our, on our end, and I hope you, you've enjoyed it as well. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, obviously you can catch us on our website, which mainly just ha- houses the podcast itself the episodes but it is rollpointexchange.com we are on twitter at rp exchange and uh there is also a facebook we are on facebook though i will admit i forget to update it so it's probably not the most primary way one could keep up with us but it you know Facebook.com slash exchange. And if you would like to enable us to do much more, please check out our Patreon. We have uh, it's patreon.com slash exchange. And uh, yeah, we would love to, uh, you know, hear from you back, hear back from you. So, you know, it's kind of hard to fish through comments. I mean, we see downloads. We see that people are listening to this, but, uh, you know, please feel free to reach out to us on the website or perhaps leave a review or at least five stars or something really nice like that on Apple. That would be very appreciated as well. Also, I'm going to do something really nice and ask our good friend Crazon to talk about what he does. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm not going to have to go back like the last episode. Like, oh yeah, Chris, I forgot all your podcast stuff. So Crazon, Uh, tell us about what you do. Well, yeah, some of you might know me as Crazon. Others might know you as, or know me as, Review Cultist from Al Dente Rigamortis, uh, my my creepypasta discussion podcast, where I it's basically a book club. <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest, um, I, I I wrangle two of my friends to read a creepy short internet fiction um, every week, and then we discuss it. Sometimes we, if 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 it's material that doesn't really have much of a story to it, we sometimes like will will brainstorm ideas for a story, or even like tabletop games has been kind of more of a a uh, a focus on our kitchen segments. As I've let my tabletop hobby leak into my other podcast, <laughs> um, and yeah, we uh, yeah we we talk about creepypastas and and usually rec- like if we recommend them or not, depending on how, what the how the material is. Um, 
when I'm not doing that, I'm running and posting games for uh, my other podcast, um, One Less Die, a an actual play podcast. It was originally Shadowrun, but it that but then we moved on to other campaigns since then. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's where you can check out the Mass Effect D20 game sometime in the summer. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, you can also contact me uh, if you want to get a hold of me. I'm on Twitter at ReviewCultist. Um, and uh, you can also, I guess, check out our Patreon and help support our uh, support uh, against those hosting bills uh, for, for our various podcast uh, ventures. So, uh, Aldente Rigamortis on Patreon. Awesome, man. Awesome. And uh, David, Rob, do you have any social media or anything you'd like to shout before we close this out? No, I... I live in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> See Ted Kaczynski your reference. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually phoning in on a paper cup. It's why my sound quality is so bad. <laughs> Mine is just bad because the voice is so overworked. No, not really. It's, um, I just want to say, uh, thank everybody for listening. Thank you all so much. Um, if you want to find more of me, um, you can go to Roleplay Public Radio, or I I would like to say thank you so much to the RPX family for making me a member. It's my pleasure, man. It's 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 an honor to count you among our cast and our friends. It's just been like, great. I, I, I I feel like I've graduated to main cast with RPX at this point, <laughs> as opposed to just frequent guest member. I, I've done more with RPX in recent weeks and months than I have with any of the other podcasts. And so thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I consider myself less a frequent guest and more a frequent annoyance. I'm just a lamprey. <laughs> Sorry. I've already talked to you, Rob. Like you're, <laughs> dude, you're dynamite on what you talk about here. You're, they're going to be hearing more from you in the future. I promise, buddy. Excellent. No, it's, it's been wonderful. I, 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 I've been getting the same vibes of, uh, now that I actually share a time zone, I'm, I'm on a lot more. I'm, uh, getting to know those of you I didn't know beforehand and just enjoying my time on this uh, pod. Awesome. That's that's what we do this, man. It's just, I mean, there's, you know, we're playing games is for a reason, but the reasons really being the podcast is just to sit down and play games. And I've made a lot of friends uh, within RPX and definitely RPPR and the tech diff and a lot of others and craze on like dente rigor mortis. I've been on it quite a few episodes of that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a community. It's kind of developed out around, honestly, off of like from RPPR and it's yeah. just great to be a part of. Yeah. It's definitely been a, like an, a blessing to have like, like to have this have developed and like to be able to like talk to other like-minded people who like love the game and love genres like that. I also love. And like, again, it feels like a big old like community of friends and family. So mm-hmm. it is not wonderful. to be too weepy eyed. <laughs> <But, laughs> well, well, I got to go find my, my hanky. So for those of you, and I don't mean to be <laughs> smart ass, like it's, it's really touching, but I am a smart ass. But uh, yeah. w- with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. And, and until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Sleep well.